just in allowing your breath to take you into the body. You know, noticing maybe there's like a short, you know, sense of relief. And then you'll know the mind goes on to the next thing, worries about the next thing. Because it has nothing to do with the things. <laughs> it's just the mind. It's the momentum of the mind. But it's just interesting, you know, to, to see, you know, we tick off one thing and then the next problem emerges and then we tick that one off and then the next one comes endlessly. That's why, you know, samsara can't be fixed. But we can, you know, try to work on our minds. And on a retreat is a particular, you know, great opportunity to see that. And, you know, the problems we have are rather tame. So it's, we can stay conscious and we can see it in a small way. Allowing the, the gravity show us where we come from and where we belong. As long as we have a body, we belong here on this planet, you know, which is made just from all of the same elements as our body. <coughs> Actually, our bodies are not separate from the planet. They are just a bit of planet which can move around. But nevertheless, it consists of the very same earth element, water element, fire element, wind element, space element and we are in constant exchange through breathing, drinking, eating, going to the bathroom, sweating, crying, and if we contemplate it we can see there is no real boundary, it's just an optical boundary which is actually due to the limitations of our sense organs. The eye can see in this way and there's many other eyes around. They say, you know, that the eyes was being invented by evolution about 40 times and they operate in different ways. So, for example, a chameleon sees very differently, has a very different eye. And there's other animals with very different ways of seeing. And by, you know, 
practicing this uh, meditation on the elements, which is coming to us, you know, from Iron Age India. It's a very ancient practice. We can actually train ourselves to see differently. And that's, you know, what's so much needed at this point in history is to step out of the old frameworks of interpreting experience and, and looking at it in a different, in a new way, which does not have homo sapiens on the top. But where homo sapiens joins in with the modern human world. Just simply because of impermanence. Worldviews, narratives, they also change. And often, you know, that escapes us because we are so inside of them, like a fish in the water who doesn't know that it is wet. So the frame of reference is worthy of investigation as well. You know, knowing that this teaching has come to us through a very patriarchal transmission, which was appropriate at this time. But now, you know, we can look at the mode of transmission itself as well, including that into the investigation. And seeing, you know, what we can uh, glean from that curiosity. Just allowing more space and daring to question. We can just start with the most obvious of the elements, which is the earth element, which can be experienced as um, hardness as opposed to softness and structure, in particular in the bones of the body. And, you know, we don't need to force anything, but just listening to the guidance which comes to you to, through my words and then allowing your mind to respond. And the only quote-unquote work for you to do is to bring the mind back 
to what is being said if it wanders off into you know, thinking about something else, which it probably will do. And just, you know, really learning that we can direct our minds to pay attention in the way we see fit, you know, and we can choose do we want to have, do we want to get more drowning in the world, or are we ready, you know, to go into a path which liberates us from confusion and attachment. So starting again on the top of the head and becoming aware of uh, bones, hardness, earth element. And just allowing that to come to you, allow your mind to be filled, mindfulness. Not hunting it, but allowing it to arise. By us, you know, paying attention. And there's some interest and a little bit of energy, and that is enough. And then we are sweeping down from the head to the neck, the vertebrae, hardness, earth element. And then the shoulders and the arms and hands, hardness, earth element. The torso with the spine and the ribcage, hardness, earth element. Pelvis and hips, hardness, earth element. And legs and the feet, hardness, earth element. This whole body is permeated by earth element. Earth element internally in the bones and earth element externally in the mountains and the rocks and the forest floor is exactly the same earth element. Earth element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't, you know, take in earth elements through eating for one or two months, the body is going to shut down. <coughs> we never cut the umbilical cord towards the biosphere, towards the planet. The constant give and take happening. And the earth element which was once out there in the soil is now in the body. And then maybe later on it goes into the toilet. Then it again you know, goes into the soil, 
And so it goes on and on since a very, very long time. And we can see that very well in the forest, and we can see some very new little saplings, you know, coming out of the, the ground, and then the old trees fall over and rot back into the soil. There's no real separate entity out there or in here. And this is you know, something which is in display, full display every day, but it's kind of quote-unquote self-secret because if we don't look at it in the right way, with the right uh, perception, we don't see it. And then you know, we adjust the lens a little bit with the help of a, of a teaching, and then suddenly, oh, something else, you know, arises out of the woodwork, which was always here, but we just didn't see it. Because we were too glued on cultural messages of, you know, domination, extraction, separation. Which is age-appropriate, you know, for a immature species. But if it gets, you know, so counterproductive as it has gotten, meanwhile, we really need to take an interest in order for earth element to be able to, you know, uh, shape into form. It also needs cohesion, which takes us to the next element, water element, which stands for wetness, fluidity, and cohesion. And we can connect with it in the fleshy parts of the body, which are, you know, permeated by different liquids such as blood and others. And starting to sweep up from the feet, flesh, water element. Legs, flesh, water element. Then the hands and the arms up to the shoulders, flesh water element. And the pelvis and the torso with all of the organs, flesh <coughs> water element. Then the neck, flesh water element, and the head flesh, water element, 
This whole body is permeated by water element. Water element internally and water element externally, the rain and the lakes, the ponds and rivers and oceans is exactly the same water element. Water element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't take in water element through drinking for like five to six, seven days, the body is going to shut down. Just a very short time span. The body cannot exist independently from the biosphere because it is part of the biosphere. Even if it capes our eye if it's not trained to look in the right way. But we can train it. It's just a slight adjustment, like you're adjusting the lens of a camera and then suddenly something stands out which has always been there but we just didn't see it. And then in order for water element to be able to mix up with earth element, it needs to have a certain temperature. If it's too hot, it, it evaporates, and if it's too cold, it freezes. And that takes us to the next element, the fire element, which stands for temperature, hot and cold. And we can uh, sense that temperature on the skin of the body, which is also an organ. For example, in the mouth we can sense it, and under the arms, on the palms of the hands maybe. And sweeping down from the top of the head, skin, fire element. neck, shoulders and arms and hands, skin, fire element. And then the torso, maybe you can feel the heat of the breakfast, you know, being digested in there. Then we come to the hips, legs and feet, skin, fire element. This whole body is permeated by fire element. Fire element internally and fire element externally is exactly the same fire element. Fire element is empty, empty of a self. And these bodies, you know, can only live in a certain temperature range which we can extend you know through closing or heating housing but nevertheless it is 
limited. And all of the fire element, the power, comes from the sun in this solar system. And then, you know, we can use the stored up sun energy through fossil fuels or wood, solar energy. And, you know, heat is the result of friction, which takes us to the next element, which is the wind element, which stands for pressure, expansion, contraction, movement. And we can be aware of it in the breathing process. body expanding and contracting as we breathe in and out. Breathing in the oxygen which is provided by plant life. So being you know, in this very symbiotic pro, uh, relationship with uh, the trees and other plants And if we don't, you know, breathe for like three to seven minutes, some people, divers and so on, you know, can extend that range up to seven minutes, I think. Then the body shuts down and goes back to the elements. So you know, with the outbreath, we can relax into the space around us, which takes us to the next element, the space element. But inside of the body, there is space, spaces like the mouth, the cavity of the ears, nose, the womb. And also we are sitting in space, in a space which doesn't end at the walls of the hall here, but expands limitless. <coughs> so, you know, with the in-breath we can be aware of the internal, quote-unquote, internal space. And with the out-breath we are, you know, listening into the external space. The silence and allowing awareness to expand beyond this hall, beyond the 
trees. Boundless space. Just by listening, quote unquote, listening into the silence, the mind opens up. And if a thought is arising or a sound or any sensation, just allow it to do its thing in that space, in that spaciousness without contracting, without making anything out of that, just allowing it to move through like a cloud moves through the sky. So giving room, giving space to everything to be what it is. Do not interfere. Just to allow that flow inside of that spaciousness, that limitless spaciousness. which is a quality of the mind, which we can access for so giving room allowing without any judgment You're noticing maybe sensations in the body you might be aware of. They are like a flow. They are constantly changing. There's this field of aliveness. connects us to the biosphere in a kind of a different way than the thinking man does.
just you know noticing the aliveness which permeates that spaciousness the emptiness which is a fullness without you know any kind of judgment or interpretation or story just sensing the fullness of the silence and the spaciousness fullness of uh, potential without messing around with it, but just letting it be what it is. And if you notice that your mind wanders off into, you know, wanting to hold on to something, wanting to think about something, because it's used to that, contracting in order to feel safe, to feel, to be somebody. Just notice that urge and try to relax it. Try to not go with that. But rather stay with that vast open spaciousness. Which doesn't pick or choose. Just simply listening into that spaciousness. The silence, you know, behind the sound of the heating. The silence behind the forest. all of you know, the different objects like thoughts and sounds, sensations which come and go. And there's no need for us to interfere in any way. That's rather conducive you know, to look at the Permanence, the repetition of coming and going. Arising and ceasing. So we are not changing anything, just paying attention in a different way than usual. That's the basis of inside practice.
paying attention to certain features of experience we usually don't pay attention to. And then suddenly, you know, a very different reality comes into focus. Which isn't so much glued, you know, on the content, but much more on the structure of experience. You know, seeing all phenomena are impermanent. And because they are impermanent, they are not to be relied upon, not be grasped. Because if we grasp them, they produce suffering. And that suffering, you know, isn't innate to phenomena, but the suffering is the result of grasping. The Buddha's teaching can sometimes be misunderstood as being, you know, kind of negative, saying, oh, everything is suffering. That's not what's being said. What is being said is the result of grasping is suffering. So, and through this inside practice, we are learning to see how we are producing our own suffering through grasping. And then if the mind and the heart, you know, see that, they adapt with loosening the grip. So, you know, the classic uh, progression of insight is, you know, to quiet the mind, then paying attention to impermanence, which leads, you know, slowly but surely to letting go of the grip, at least temporarily, you know, during the meditation. And that lowers the passion, you know, the ego behind wanting things a particular way. And then uh, this lowering, you know, of the passion then gives more clarity and we can see more clearly and it becomes available, you know, to the observing mind that all things which have a beginning also have an end. Which is normally uh, escapes us very often because we are usually glued to beginnings. We celebrate, you know, young, beautiful new things. We love that. And we don't like so much old things. And this practice, you know, wants us to pay attention to the whole spectrum of existence, the 
the lovely and the young, the babies and the puppies, but also the old age, sickness and death, to see the whole cycle. So this um, contemplations, you know, they, they draw out the implications of impermanence and point the mind to letting go. Not because, you know, being morbid or negative, but because just that's how it is. So coming out from under that uh, cultural conditioning of only wanting nice things, young things, lovely things, to just paying attention to the whole spectrum. And that encourages the mind to adapt, which it will gratefully do. There might be like a you know phase of disbelief and, and kind of grieving and fear even. It's all part of the process. It's like a waking up. Which is so very much needed at this time where we need to outgrow our relationship you know, to the planet as it would be a you know, never-ending resource which doesn't need anything from us. It's not like that. We also need to participate. So you know, seeing the impermanence leads to dispassion and then you know the mind which is less under the grip of passions like greed, hatred and delusion, that mind can see more clearly and then you know the mind starts to see that things which have a beginning also have an end and that seeing ushers the mind into letting go. Not as a you know intellectual equation or something, but as a natural letting go. You know, if we have feel the 
the heat of the hot potato in the hand, the mind just the hand just lets go. We don't have to do it. It's a natural result of being with the experience, not you know, distracting ourselves and, and being in on our phone or doing something else, but really being fully there for our experience. And that's you know, what the meditation practice is all about. To make ourselves more fully available to our true experience. or at least you know, to recognize how we are drifting off into stories left and right. And then seeing you know, what's underneath, why, why do we you know, want to rather sink ourselves into some kind of a story rather than being with what is? Is there some fear? Is there some Desire, what is, what is it? And just uh, digesting that, attuning and coming more into resonance with what is really happening. You know, and abstaining from interfering. And abstaining from constantly rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, basically.
and also you know noticing if the mind doesn't grasp at anything, but is in this very open state that's a state of a temporary liberation of the mind through attending to space. It's a little taste, you know, of uh, the goal of the practice, a mind which is wide open and doesn't pick or choose. It's only a temporary one. And you know, my first teacher, Chambuddha Dasa, called it like a little Nibbana, having a little taste of the mind which is wide open and not clinging to anything for a period of time. It can be like a you know, like a signpost for the practice, something to familiarize the mind with so it knows in a way it is going. And then you know, we are slowly you know, coming to the end of the meditation. And you know, even the most sublime state of mind is impermanent. Just coming back to the body, the weight of the body on the seat, on the cushion. Sensing the vastness of the earth underneath us.
that all of the elements from which we have emerged, the bodies have emerged, which are like a riding animal for consciousness, appropriate, you know, to the quality of that mind stream. And giving the mind, you know, this opportunity to adjust to a different way of experiencing oneself. At a time, you know, in the history of our species, where this is a very crucial skill we need to learn. So we can uh, arrive at more sustainable methods, you know, to regenerate the biosphere, which we have been impacting quite unskillfully due to not knowing what we were doing. which is kind of okay, you know, as long as we don't know, but once we do know, we can, you know, open up to whatever guidance we can receive from that new way of relating to our experience. It's just a different way of knowing ourselves, which is uh, how it works, you know, when we mature. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.